I'm Jorge Salazar with the Texas Advanced Computing Center. Scientists are using powerful supercomputers to uncover the mechanism that activates cell mutations found in about 50% of melanomas, the most serious type of human skin cancer, because it can spread throughout the body. The scientists say they're hopeful their study can help lead to a better understanding of skin cancer and to the design of better drugs. On the podcast are Yashushi Kondo and Deepti Karander, both postdoctoral researchers in the John Curian Lab at UC Berkeley. Karander is also a postdoctoral fellow at the Howard Hughes Medical Institute. Kondo and Karander are co-authors of a study published October of 2019 in the journal Science that determined the structure of a complex of proteins called BRAF kinase, short for Rapidly Accelerated Fibrosarcoma. BRAF kinase is a protein that's part of the signal chain that starts outside the cell and goes inside to direct cell growth. This larger signal pathway is important for cancer research, which seeks to understand out-of-control cell growth. About 50% of melanomas have a specific single mutation on BRAF, and it's an important drug target. Strangely, though, drugs that inhibit the mutant had a downside. They activated other undesired proteins called wild-type BRAF kinases, which again triggered melanoma. The science team modeled the BRAF protein and other proteins in the chemical pathway using supercomputer allocations on Exceed, the extreme science and engineering discovery environment funded by the National Science Foundation. They used the Stampede 2 system at TAC, as well as the Bridges system at the Pittsburgh Supercomputing Center. This new research by Kondo and Carinder's science team has found how the paradoxical BRAF activation happens. Doctors Kondo and Carinder, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for inviting us. What are the main findings of your study of an enzyme that's linked to skin cancer? Um, and this study was published in the journal Science in October of 2019. As a background, um, this enzyme we studied is called BRAF kinase. The link between BRAF mutation and skin cancer is shown in early 2000s by Cancer Genomics Study. They found about 50% of human skin cancers have a specific single mutation on BRAF, which is varying 600 residue to glutamate, or we also call V600E. They also show the mutation makes this otherwise auto-inhibited enzyme constitutively active. BRAF V600E became an important drug target, and specific inhibitors of the mutant were developed following years. They were potent inhibitors, but also showed a very strange phenomenon, so-called paradoxical activation of RAF kinases. The drugs inhibited the mutant BRAF as designed, but it basically activated RASP signaling in the cells carrying wild-type RAF kinases at non-saturating concentration. Nearly a decade, uh, researchers studied the mechanism of that paradoxical activation and revealed that the drug turns the BRAF kinase into an activator. Recently, researchers started developing a new generation of BRAF-specific inhibitors, which do not lead to paradoxical activation. So with this background, we decided and worked on studying the structure of this important protein, BRAF. Especially, we aim to study more native-like state of the protein to understand how the protein is regulated in the cells. Because most of the studies have been focused on isolated kinase domain, 
and how the drugs bind to the kinase domain. According to the literature, there was no protocol to prepare full-length BRF protein. So recently, we had a, a successful example of full-length protein preparation using intent chemistry in another project. We thought the method was applicable to BRF as well. So in general, it is easier to make smaller fragments of the protein compared to long full-length protein. And intent chemistry allows us to stitch fragments of the protein together. As a result, we obtained an active form of full-length BRF dimer co-purified with 1433 dimer, scaffolding protein bound to the phosphorylated BRF C-terminal tail. We determined the structure of BRF1433 complex using cryo-EM. Unexpectedly, uh, the structure revealed the asymmetric organization of the complex formed by two sets of internally symmetric dimers. We propose that this unexpected arrangement enables asymmetric activation of the BRAF dimer, which is a mechanism that provides an explanation for the origin of the paradoxical activation of BRAF by small molecule inhibitors. And detailed analysis of this asymmetric BRAF 1433 complex structure showed another unexpected structural feature, which is the distal tail segment or we call DTS for short, of one BRF molecule, which is the active site of the other, blocking the activity by competing with ATP binding. Although the activity is blocked, this BRF is trapped in active conformation. We interpreted this structure that this blocked BRF molecule functions as an activator and stabilizes the other BRF receiver through dimer interface. So we ran molecular dynamic simulations of this complex of the BRAF dimer bound to a 1433 dimer to test this stability of this asymmetric conformation. We didn't know why the conformation was asymmetric or what role it played in maintaining the active state of the enzyme. So we started with the structure that uh, Dr. Kondo solved the cryo-EM structure with the DTS segment running from one kinase into the active site of the other. And then we ran a second set of simulations where we removed that DTS segment. So everything else is the same. It's just that segment is missing. And what we found was that in the system, without this distal tail segment, the entire complex is not stable. The kinase domains move with respect to the scaffolding 1433 dimer. And in one of our simulations, the dimer state of BRAF itself, which is necessary to maintain the active state of this kinase, it fell apart, indicating that this distal tail segment, the DTS, is necessary to actually maintain this complex in this asymmetric conformation, which in turn is necessary to maintain the kinase dimer in the stable asymmetric dimer active state. Uh, one of the findings of the of the study was this mechanism that you described of how the signals, I guess, go pass through to the inside of the cell. Is there a simple way to describe the mechanism of action of the RAF kinases, um, this mechanism that you've discovered? So two BRF kinases and two 1433 folding proteins form a complex. In this complex, one BRF kinase is an activator, and the other kinase is a receiver. 
the tail of the receiver molecule is inserted into the active site of the activator, so the activator cannot work as an enzyme. Instead, the activator molecule stabilizes the active conformation of the receiver molecule. The 1433 scaffold protein facilitates this arrangement so that the tail insertion only happens to one kinase molecule. We hypothesize if there is no 1433 binding, both kinases can be blocked by the insertion of the DTS, but this needs to be tested. In the description of this research in science, they call it the yin and yang of RAF inhibition. Uh, what does the yin and yang have to do with what's going on here? <laughs> Since two molecules, identical molecules in this complex uh, exist, and from looking at the structure, it's very clear one is not capable of phosphorylating downstream molecule, uh, which is necessary for cell growth. And the other molecule is clearly the one to do the job. So in this set of two molecules, we clearly see one is doing the supporting job and the other one doing the actual work. So it really does look like uh, yin and yang in this uh, BRAF 1430 the complex we solved by crying. Um, would you speak to um, some of the, the computational challenges that you faced in modeling this complex of molecules, the um, BRAF 14-3-3 uh, complex? First off, let me describe the computational methods we use. We use uh, molecular dynamic simulations. So we start with the model of our protein at the atomic level. So every atom in the protein is modeled with respect to every other atom in the protein. And we determine the forces that these molecules exert on each other. Some atoms attract each other, some atoms repel each other, uh, other atoms are covalently linked to each other, and so the range of motions they can undergo are highly restricted. What happens is this entire system is moving as a result of its internal interactions between all the atoms. This translates into changes in the overall structure or shape of the protein, its position in sort of space as it interacts with molecules of the solvent, which is usually water and ions in the solvent, and its interactions with other proteins. So in this case, it's interacting with the BRAF kinase dimer, which has two proteins interacting with each other, and those two are also interacting with the 1433 scaffolding protein dimer. So we can study how this the internal dynamics of the system changes over time. The complex here is very, very large. It's got four protein units in it, and then we need to model in the water molecules, ions, etc., which is, it comes up to something like 200,000 atoms in the system we model. And so we need to calculate how every one of these atoms interacts with every other atom in the system and figure out what happens, how the dynamics of the system two femtoseconds later. And then we need to do it again to figure out what happens two femtoseconds later. So the time step we use is a two femtosecond time step. And we need to do these calculations over and over and over again to figure out how the system is moving at small time steps. And then we, we sort of stitch these together and figure out what's happening over longer time scales. For small systems, we can see what's happening relatively quickly. But for large systems like these, especially large biomolecular systems, 
these changes happen on like nanosecond time scales, microsecond time scales, or even millisecond time scales. So we need a machine that can do these calculations over and over again for all these atoms in a relatively short time. And so, you know, that's where Stampede 2 came in. Would you speak to the computational resources that you did use to tackle these problems? What exceed resources did you use to help um, overcome some of these challenges? We use the Skylake nodes on Stampede 2. So these are the fastest nodes available on Stampede 2. They're faster than the Knight's Landing nodes, for example. And on Stampede 2, they also have a very fast network architecture, the Intel OmniPath network architecture, which means that communication between the nodes is really fast. And so what we can do is we, as I said, we're calculating the interactions between all these atoms over and over and over again. And what we can do is we can split these calculations across nodes. In this case, around 18 to 16 nodes on Stampede 2. And we can reduce how long it takes to run the overall calculation. We use the NAMD simulation package to run this, which was developed by Klaus Schulten at the Beckman Institute for Advanced Science and Technology at University of Illinois, Urbana-Champaign. And uh, Jim Phillips, also at the Beckman Institute, has optimized the NAMD code to run on Stampede 2. So it runs very, very fast and is very efficient. And so all of this put together means that we can run our simulations actually quite fast on Stampede 2. And so we were able to run these simulations. We generated uh, a total of about 1.5 microseconds of trajectories for our systems in about four to six weeks. Whereas if we ran it on our own in-house cluster, for example, it would have taken us months or longer. For this particular research, we just use TAC. We're interested in other proteins in this pathway. We're running those simulations on bridges, which it's a smaller system, so it runs quite efficiently on bridges. Would you speak to your experience with Exceed? I think it's an amazing resource. I've been running simulations. When I joined, uh, started as a graduate student, we were still looking at trajectories that were a few hundred picoseconds long. And those trajectories were generated over months. Exceed basically made it possible for us to access timescales that are biologically relevant. So everything that happens in a cell happens, as I said, on microsecond timescales to millisecond timescales to longer. So when I started, I was running simulations on older Exceed resources like Kraken and Keeneland was one of the first heterologous supercomputers, which had both CPUs and GPUs. And I was involved in testing Keeneland. And the jump we got in performance when Keeneland came, and then we, uh, we got Stampede 1. And that was faster. And then now we've got Stampede 2, and now you've got Frontera coming online, which means that when I was starting, we could not run the simulation on any system anywhere. It, at least, you know, it would have taken five years or more. To be able to do it in weeks and say, okay, we now understand why this is important, and so we can now, you know, start to make, uh, gain real understanding into how 
biology happens. It's just amazing. Would you please um, uh, place um, uh, this research in its scientific context? Um, how does it fit into the broader work that's being done? And also maybe speak to some of the limitations, like what are some of the things, some of the questions that you couldn't answer um, with this paper in science? So the structure that was solved in this paper is part of a large multi-domain system. So the RAC protein has a kinase domain. It has uh, other domains that are all part of this activation process. We don't know what this complete protein looks like. We don't see it in the structure. And we don't know what its dynamics look like and how all these other parts of the protein play a role in uh, maintaining the active state or converting it from the inactive state to the active state. So we'd like to be able to do that, to go forward and see what is happening with the rest of the protein, how it goes from the inactive state to the active state. And again, the challenge comes in as the system gets bigger, the structural changes that happen will happen over longer and longer timescales. And we need or bigger supercomputers. Frontera is getting there. And so, you know, we're very excited about this. For the benefit of people listening, um, uh, uh, how does this research relate to ordinary people, to non-scientists? So, paradoxical activation of RAF kinases by these BRF-specific inhibitors turn the normal cells to tumors during skin cancer treatment. So, understanding the mechanism of this phenomenon will allow us to design better drugs. And hopefully this, uh, our study contributes understanding of this uh, step. In addition, we found mutations at this linker between the kinase domain and the 1450 binding element or BRF molecule, which was never shown before. And this mutation reduces the activity of BRF in the cells. So it's also indicating this part of the kinase domain can be a target point to develop new kinds of BRF inhibitors. What's the most important thing that you'd like people to know about using supercomputers to image molecules um, such as these RAF kinases? Any protein, RAF kinase, any other protein, anything in the cell, is dynamic. It's interacting with other proteins, it's interacting with the DNA, it's interacting with the membrane, and it's constantly undergoing changes. It's going from an inactive state to an active state. It is changing binding partners, etc. So there's a lot of dynamics happening in the cell, and largely because of things like Exceed are only just starting to be able to look at things like that. Going forward, the, really the only way we can continue to look at things like that is by using, the, uh, using very, very large supercomputers because the calculations are not easy. They are very hard to do. They require a lot of computational power. And it is really exciting to you know, be able to actually see these things happen and to actually get down, to say, okay, here are how things change at the atomic level. Here are these interactions between these two atoms form or break, and that translates into this huge change at the global level in the overall structure of the protein and how it interacts with other proteins or other molecules in the cell. And I think, you know, we're just getting started on that. and We're very excited about where it'll go in the future. 
a doctor's calendar and condo. Thank you for speaking with us today. Thank you very, Thank you very much, much for having us. You've been listening to the Ashushi Condo and Deep Tea Calendar of UC Berkeley. For the Texas Advanced Computing Center, I'm Jorge Salazar.